That would have been good content, but oh well. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's lost to the ether. Oh well. Quick, quick, re- re- replicate it. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, oh, monkey, do it. <laughs> Dance. Do a flip, monkey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Art of Whatever, where we are talking about. Uh, what are Hello, we talking about? Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's me, Doctor Nick. <laughs> Apparently, one of us is sleep deprived, another is sleep logged, uh, and the other one is just kind of lost in general. We'll leave it up to you to to see which is which is which. There are no prizes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, work days go. Work weeks. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? What do you mean go? Like describe it? Wait, did we even introduce the podcast? I thought I did. Okay. Oh. <laughs> no, okay. I thought I did. No, we did. I'm, I'm just... Well, anyway, uh, yeah. Well, work weeks. I'm Marcelino. There's Tony and Carlos. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you know I. It, it, it dawned on me <clears throat> probably a few weeks ago uh-huh. that that I never introduced our full names, but I feel like that's. I mean, well, I don't think they. I don't think we need the last names. You know, should we have like cool aliases? I'm. <laughs> yeah, Mister Mister Velasquez is my dad's name. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Velasquez is my father's name. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so please call me. Please call me Mars or Marcelino, whichever one. <laughs> It's it's Marcelino Mars if you're nasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. And then and then <laughs> and then it's uh uh. <laughs> uh what? I don't know. I don't know. I could I couldn't think of it. Uh, I mean, I was just doing um, you know, Janet is that that's Janet Jackson, right? That's a Janet Jackson oh, reference. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I get the I get the reference. I just tried to think of another one and oh. <laughs> whoops. Anyway, um. <laughs> So, how are y'all doing? Um, Hi, how y'all doing? I'm not too bad, you know. Work is work. Uh, I'm actually going to Redoso this weekend, so that should be fun. For fun or for work? For fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is it a cab- cabin situation? Yeah, exactly. Second bite, mm. bro. <laughs> <laughs> Just dead silence on the other side. Oh my god! You're just gonna hear the click of the uh, the computer. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, it's, I've, uh, never, I've never been. I've never gone. I, I've been once before, and then this time I'm gonna go uh, with my girlfriend, and we're gonna take the the dogs with us. So it's gonna be cool. A little hiking. Well, I've never been to Redoso specifically, but um. We did go to Cloudcroft, which is like a. I'm not sure if it's like a town, a separate town in itself, or well, because we went camping for school. Well, it wasn't camping because like there was like, uh, it was like for a retreat, I guess. It was for a Latin convention. Are, are you talking about the the quote unquote convention that the only way they could make it educational for a Latin trip was to uh, take us to the solar observatory? No, it wasn't. The, excuse me. Oh, no. It, sorry. Hold on. No, I need water. Yeah, I guess it's 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 traveling. Man. It's oh my god. Oh my god! It was COVID. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> let's not let's not spread that rumor. Yeah, and let's not spread COVID either. Yes. <laughs> Mask up, wash your hands. Spread joy, please. please. Wear your masks. Wear your masks. Spread joy, not not COVID. Social distance. No, yeah, but no, no, it was I think it was a different uh thing. Because it was like a weekday weekend. Oh, okay. No, I only went to the the seriously slacker field trips where it didn't even matter if you were in the class. You just got to go if you got permission slip signed. Well, I don't think I don't think this convention mattered either. To be honest, I, I think <laughs> anyone can go. Um, I, I I know that we did a few activities, but I don't even remember if they were Latin Latin uh, oriented. Huh. And by by Latin, I mean the actual language. Just. Kidding. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, in case people don't realize that, I don't know. Um, what else would they mean? Uh, well, I guess. Well, I don't want to get into it so much, but <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Dude. <laughs> no, no, because because I've been. <clears throat> I guess it was next to a Jewish convention and the and and Caucasian and the nice. convention. <laughs> convention. No, that's that's just America right now. <laughs> um, Cut that out. No, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll feel feel it out how it sounds through on on the on the second run. Okay, <laughs> but but yeah, that's that's the only time I've ever been like near Riodoso. And for people that don't know, I guess uh, Riodoso is a um, is a town in New Mexico. Um, that's like uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's just very. Uh, very foresty. That's like the closest thing that we have to like an yeah. actual forest. Yeah, because I mean, El Paso is a, a desert, as many of you probably know. Um, but you know, Ridoso, it's like this little mountain that's up higher elevation in the more in the mountains, and it's where uh, would would we be considered the city folk that probably go and and ruin it for the locals there or something like that? Probably. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. That I mean, because right. I mean, cause, I mean, there's there's other. T- there's other cities like nearby, like Las Cruces, and I think Albuquerque. But is Las Cruces really a city? Uh, I, I plead the fifth. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, but Albuquerque, yes, Albuquerque is probably a good one. Or maybe they go to Cloudcroft too. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really nice. I mean, that's the that's the closest thing I've ever gotten to go to a forest, really, mm-hmm. that, like a wooded area. Uh, but I think it was, I think it was in the spring, so it wasn't as cold. Yeah. I mean, it gets really nice. I mean, cause like while, while, while it's like a hundred and something here, it's what, like 85 over there right now or something yeah, like that? A comfortable 85 probably. <laughs> a comfortable 85. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't doubt it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, but it's nice. I I think it's nice. No, it really is nice. It, it, it is nice. Nice little town. Although during that time, I, this is this is kind of an embarrassing uh, thing. <laughs> but uh, I think it was during that time where uh, I had this, like, for some reason, I had this, like, <clears throat> irrational fear <laughs> of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of werewolves. Okay. Elaborate. Uh, so, so in uh, my sophomore year, we had a project, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a project of like mythological animal. Oh, this is totally changing the subject, but 
Yeah, so we had a project of like of like magic, magical creatures or magical. Um, well, I guess magical and mythological creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, I I kind of had like a not a fascination, but I I I liked all that stuff, like like you know, like lore and just scary things, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and like I I I thought the idea of werewolves was pretty cool, right? So then I was like. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna do my project on that. So I did it. I went to the library. I read a bunch of books about a bunch of quote unquote real accounts uh-huh. of real werewolves in history. That sounds cool. And, and, yeah. Well, and, and and looking back on it now, like it's it's actually pretty cool. But at the time, I don't know. I was just very. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a easily. I can't think of the word. I, I don't want to say easily manipulated because that's not it. But but anyway, it, I guess it really got to me. Uh-huh. And um, one of the one of the days that we uh, that I was reading some of those books, we <clears throat> went to Juarez because my parents were going to a funeral. But I stayed with my grandma, and like I stayed with her all night, and it was just me and my grandma and. I think that was the first actual time that I just stayed, that I wasn't like with my family there. So everything looks so much more different and scarier. Uh-huh. And so I don't know, like it just influenced my, my mind so much that like I had just, I started to have this irrational fear for like a year. Oh, wow. And, and so whenever we went to Cloudcroft, I'm pretty sure. I knew what the area was going to be like, but I always associated werewolves with like, um, with like the woods because, because of, because of, uh, I don't know if you all ever seen the, but the howling, the howling. No. Yeah. It's like the, I don't know. It's like one of my favorite werewolf movies, but it's like from like the late seventies or like the early eighties, I think. Um, and and then I just started, I don't know. And then so like, I remember seeing that movie then and then just like not being able to watch it anymore because it was just so scary to me. I mean, I can, I can, I can do all that now. It's just at the time it was just so weird, but I was always very wary even being there, but I don't know. It was, it was weird. It was a weird time. Mm-hmm. It was a weird time in my life. <laughs> But anyway, I don't think I've ever seen a werewolf uh, movie. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a straight up werewolf. Maybe does Teen Wolf count? No, yeah, not even that. Not even Teen Wolf. No, I mean, I guess technically it is because that's what he is. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I, I, I mean, like, like in a horror genre kind of way. Oh, like I I never saw the Benicio del Toro one because I know that one. Like that was like the big remake of it. Uh, I never saw that one, and like I looked at the Howling, and it looks like that kind of cool, cheesy. Like it, it, you're right, it's like eighty one. Yeah, uh, it looks like a cool, cheesy like horror film. Like I'm, I'm like I'm interested. Then, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen like a straight up uh, werewolf horror movie. And, and there's a lot actually, because um, there's there's that one, and then um, there is a. Oh well, actually, that same year, uh, an American werewolf film. London, London came out. I think it was that same year. Yeah, damn man, you're you're, you're on a roll. Yep, nineteen eighty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, see, that's why I'm saying like that because because I actually <laughs> like to watch them. Um, but it's just, I think it's just the, the thing about like having like a subtle fear. And it's funny because I've never had a fear like that towards any other like, you know, like any other like classical, like classic monster like that. Uh-huh. Like vampires, like I don't think they're scary, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but there was I, I think it was I think it's always been the fact that like like werewolves could like be anyone yeah you know what i mean um because like because like if you think about it like a vampire could only be so you know like can only go out at night and you'd you'd only see them at night or whatever but like Uh a werewolf is like it could be anybody you it could be you know like it could be your neighbor it could be so i i don't know i guess i was i guess subconsciously like my my mind was always like oh you know like like real monsters, I don't. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> it's it's the uh, it's a true crime kind of thing where okay. where like um, during the a, day there's somebody and at night there there monsters revealed so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like there, you know. There's always two sides to you know like oh, okay people that are like that. So I I guess subconsciously that's what my mind went to. Then. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna get too much into it anymore. That's that's as far as I'm gonna go because yeah. But regardless, yeah. I mean, I listened to Werewolves of London earlier this week. Do you guys remember that song? I mean, yeah. I say I say remember like if it was during our age, not from the fucking seventies or some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's that one? It's it's uh Warren's uh, Zevon. I'm not sure that's pronounced oh, like. I don't think I know it. The one I know is in Spanish. You've heard it. It's just one of those like when you hear it, you'll be like, "Oh, that song." And he goes like, "Oh, well." Okay, so then I guess that's a cover of the one I know because I know it in Spanish. Oh, really? This one in Spanish? Yeah, it was a big broken español hit. What was it called in Spanish? Uh, Lobo hombre en París. By La Unión. Yeah, yeah, because the guy does do, does do that as like I guess in the chorus. Uh, Lo hombre en Paris. <laughs> um, oh, damn, that was the sequel. An American Werewolf in Paris, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's funny because, like, last, when was it? Last Friday. Uh, like, well, because I, I, I had only, like, seen, like, little parts of, of Casablanca or Casablanca. I don't know how you're supposed to say it. That yeah. old school uh, Bo- Humphrey Bogart movie. Yeah. Obviously, like, I'm not going to be over here, like, yeah, it's a good movie because I'm Pretty sure everybody fucking seen it. Uh, I was late to the party on that one, uh, but afterward I was watching um, in, the inter- an interview with the vampire. That one. Oh yeah, remember that one? Yes. Now they were on the, the the subject of 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 mythological creatures. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's fine. It was good. I, I mean it, it, it's a good movie. It's fine. I'm trying to remember, like, I'm, I'm, like I know there's a ton of movies that probably figured me out playing like The Exorcist as, as a kid or something. Oh, yeah. You know, just stuff like that. See, I've never seen it. Dude, I haven't seen any of the classics, dude. You know, which one I, I saw last Halloween, and it, it still holds up, at least for me, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one from the 70s. I've never like, seen it either. Oh, second, yeah. The second one's cheesy, of course. It's like, you know, uh, Dennis Hopper with two chainsaws, which is pretty fucking kick-ass in its own way. But it's, it's campier, obviously. But, yeah, like the first... Uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That one holds up, man. I like that one. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree actually. Well, and see, and I think that's the that's the other reason why I don't like sequels to things mm-hmm. because they're always really bad. Because like the the Howling has a shit ton of sequels <laughs> that are, and and a lot of them were, some of them were obviously like through the eighties, and the eighties eighties horror isn't always necessarily, you know, I, I always I always see it as very campy. It's like you know, like, um. Uh, Nightmare on Mount Street and stuff like that. Yeah, you know. I mean, it just goes like like a bunch of the eighties are like it, it's just like the the decade of slasher films, right? It's like you have like yeah. the, the the Halloween, like yeah, the Michael Myers, the fucking uh, Jason, like the the fucking Friday the Thirteenth, right? Yeah. Yes. Friday the yeah. Thirteenth, Halloween. You have um, what else? Oh yeah, Freddy. Well, yeah. Freddy. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hellraiser, but the first one's pretty gross. Out that one, Hellraiser's pretty good. The first one, from what I remember, it's been a while since I saw that one. I've never seen it, dude. Like I've never seen any. I've seen bits and pieces, but never a full. You know, weirdly, one from really, you know, from beginning. You know, my my mom was is weirdly like a horror movie fan. Like I'd just be like walking around the house or doing something, you know, and then like I'd see my mom with like a fucking like a Bud Light or a fucking, like, she doesn't even drink, like, she'll have a beer, like, every once in a while, or she'll have, like, a glass of wine, so what are you doing? I'm watching The Fly, which is, like, more of a horror sci-fi, but she's just, like, chilling, like, she's the one that showed me The Fly. I was like, oh, shit, what are you watching? He's like, oh, it's this movie, and it's Jeff Goldblum being The Fly. Yeah. I, I've never yeah. seen the second one, though. I, I did like the first fly. I mean, like, obviously, some of these have, like, the, the kind of, the like, gross out, like, The Fly, you know, he's losing his teeth because he's turning into a fly. Yeah, it's more of the shock value. Exactly. But wow, th- I feel like this is the most I've ever talked about a movie. <laughs> Me, at least. I-, I know that you guys have talked about it, but anyway. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that's what that's what I'm saying. That's why I like I like horror. Horror's fun. Uh well anyway, so should we begin? Sure. Alright. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I guess. If we must. <laughs> I'll start this time because you started okay. last time. I mean, unless you want to start. No, no. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to be hogging the mic and you know. Because uh, we, you know, I've been, I have been doing that. Uh, we all know you like to be the lead, the lead singer of this group, Mars. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, um, but but yeah. Um, you you know what I was thinking about? Sorry, I was thinking about the other day. Is what that time? um. At some point, we've all been in choir. Oh yeah, yeah, one semester, but it was it was a fun one. Yeah, yeah, I actually like that semester. It because I mean, anyway, yeah. Um, I I was just remembering that. Were you still there when when I took that semester? Yes. Okay, I'm trying to to remember. Yeah, the thing is that we weren't we weren't in it whenever Tony was in it. Cause I, oh no yeah. no I wasn't I there. Definitely I got me. coerced into it by that that uh, the professor the, the the instructor we had at the time. The yeah, older guy, I forgot yeah. his name. Yeah, I mean I won't say his name because I'm I mean not I mean does it matter? I mean I don't think so. Bruce Neering, uh, there by Bruce mm. Neering, and he's all like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "No, nothing." He's like, "Then you have time." I was like, "But I, fine, I'll go." I, like, I don't know. I learned a lot. Also, also, if you have time, that doesn't mean that you have to fill it up with a, 
a, a useless class for you. <laughs> That's true. But to, to be fair, I, I feel like I did learn. I, I, like, I learned that I couldn't sing, that I don't feel comfortable singing. No, just playing. Uh, no I, I did learn a lot, I feel, just by like finding out what. But yeah, like it, it was interesting. Like I, yeah. I didn't hate it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, and, and I agree with you, especially when you take something that you're not used to, because like, because like when I when I took jazz, like it wasn't my, you know, it wasn't something that I was comfortable. with. Well, Mars, you liked it every day. <laughs> liked it. Like it was definitely something outside of the comfort zone, but yeah, it kind of mm-hmm. helped explore that and really see something we you know we love to do in a different light. You know, like instead of music and playing guitar, it'd be music. I'm like, okay, now I'm singing. Yeah, and and I think that honestly uh, as as a musician or as or anything like in the arts you have to do all those other things because like you know you do have your focus and you know while studying and everything but you have to do other things I mean, I, how do we get here i mean no i mean i completely agree because i mean i feel like sometimes it feels like, oh, these things should go without saying, but no, like, it's really something that you really have to kind of push yourself to, to kind of do or kind of get yourself out of that zone. Because if, if, if you don't or somebody doesn't push you out of it, you'll never do it. And, and it's and it's something that, well, you know, you can pretty much, you know, get on with your uh, music career, your music studies or, you know, without it, but it really does add a different light to it. And like I said, it's something that shouldn't have to be said, but... In, in a way, it's it's to really do it or have to do it or put yourself through it, it. It really does kind of like open your eyes a little bit in a way. Yeah, 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 and 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 you have to because because you know like you have to see things from other perspectives and, yeah. and all that and mm-hmm. and so yeah, I'm, I think it helped. Yeah, I mean, especially when when playing music, you know, like it just helps to see like, am I going to write this line this way, and you know, or you know, just in, in general, you yeah, know how, how it feels to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I interrupted fun. you. I just that was a fun time for me. Yeah, I mean it was, I I mean it was we've talked about it, but I mean I thought it was a fun time too. I remember playing that drum during the the recital. That drum it was like an African song, and I I had to play a djembe. Yeah, and it was pretty fun. Yeah, see, like it's just those things. All right, everyone. Okay, pay attention. Class is in session. <laughs> no, just <kidding. laughs> fun is over. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna uh, lose your mind. <laughs> So today I'm going to talk about a writer who is a comedian. Uh, This is sort of a continuation. I think it was about the second month, I think, that I talked about a lady named Lauren Lapkus. It's been more than a month. It's been way more than a month. Oh, no, I mean the second month of the podcast. Oh, okay. So this is going to continue. Like, I'm I'm breaking. I'm kind of I'm trying to, like, wells that I can go back uh-huh. to. 
so if this were sort of a series, you know, this would be the second installment in that series. Um, Three months later. I'm talk- sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's uh, albums that come in parts, you know, years apart. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I'm going to talk about a man named Scott Ackerman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh Again, he's a, a comedic uh, writer and improviser. Uh, he was born in Savannah, Georgia, uh, back in 1970. But he was raised in Orange County, California. Um, he, uh, during his high school years, attended the Orange County High School of the Arts, which, like a lot of people, you know, well, not a lot of people, but I've been noticing that a lot of the people that I follow went to some sort of high school of the arts. And uh, so he's one of those cases. And in there, he studied acting, he studied musical theater, and then wrote some plays, you know, in his spare time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just the usual, you know, writing <laughs> yeah, just, plays when you're. Just... <laughs> just casual, just casually yeah, writing plays. Like, <laughs> sure, that's, a, that's a you know Tuesday I, afternoon activity that we all participate. I, in. I know, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, uh, just as uh, some little trivia, uh, when he was in 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 high school, in that high school, the Orange County High School of the Arts. He was in a band with Adrian Young, who later became a drummer for No Doubt. Oh, wow. Uh, He's also, he also met members of the Vandals during this time. The Vandals is uh, another L.A. uh, punk band. They do a lot of, I mean, they have their own uh, material, but they also do a lot of punk cover versions of songs. I mean, if you're into, like, the Tony Hawk, you know, pro skater sort of soundtrack, then you'll know who they are. Yeah. And during this time in, in high school, that's when he hosted his, his first show on a local public access TV channel. And it was it was a sort of farce based on, on the mascot of the high school, which was a centurion. Uh, Centurion was um, uh, like an ar- an army, a high-ranking army person in the uh, Roman days. Uh, yeah, I know. I took Latin. Get okay, well, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I had to look it up because I was like, I, I was thinking the wrong thing. For some reason, I kept thinking of like a, like a minotaur. Oh, for oh some a centaur? Reason. Yeah, a centaur. There we go. <laughs> And I was like, is it? Is no. it not? And then I found out it's yeah. not. So, yeah, it, it was based on that. And then uh, later on in an interview, when they asked him about the, the that show, it, it was called Centurion Highlights. And he says basically that, well, eventually he gets to, to host another show when he's much older. Uh, and about that show he compares it to his old high school show and he says 
that it's basically the same show except that now he gets to do it with celebrities instead of his high school peers. Then uh, during his college years, he goes on to a community college in California and, and then later on moves on to the Pacific Conservatory of Performing Arts. He doesn't finish, but he does get work as a, a repertoire actor in different uh, musical theater companies. So he gets some experience there, you know, starts getting some seasoning. You know, um, I, I'm sorry. I've yeah, always wondered why, why, why people that don't finish college are so successful. <laughs> I th- well, it's because I think it's, it's that drive, you know. It's like, you, you'll learn. If you want to learn, you'll learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's good to have the, the basis, right? Mm-hmm. But And I mean, I don't mean to put, put Tony on the spot, but <laughs> like he, he's doing great. And it's not the thing he went in for. I, I mean, I think you have a lot of these, like I was actually just watching something earlier where they were talking about like these, these people that went to MIT, but they never ended up finishing because, you know, I, I feel sometimes like maybe for people like that, that are just, I'm not gonna say everybody that doesn't finish college is a genius, but I'm gonna say like some, some like how you how you put it, Carlos. It's a certain drive or a passion they have for other things that school just can't hold a candle to the interest that they have elsewhere. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes they're just too good that they get you know like they get uh, picked out before they finish. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, that. Yeah, I guess that you're right. That does make sense. I mean, we can't all be LeBron James. No. <laughs> I'm not even no, sure if that was a proper no. terminology. I'm not good at sports, guys. <laughs> we we can't we can't all be a uh, 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 shit. Fuck, I don't know sports either. How about we keep it something to, to something we know? We can't all be. Oh, we can't God. all be the Timothy Chalamets. <laughs> dude, 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 dude! Like, just wow. When when I found out, uh, was Timothy Chalamet was going out with uh, with. Asa Gonzalez, I was like, damn, you Uh You know, uh, remember Baby Driver? Yeah. yeah, 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 I remember. That's a good movie. Yeah, so the the girl from Baby Driver, the the bad one, the one that's... Uh, oh, oh cool. Girlfriend. Well, good for him. Well, yeah, exactly. Freaking great for him. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Back to the yeah. point. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he goes, you know, on 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 tours with with different uh, musical theater companies, and then he comes back to to California, and he starts uh, an improv duo with a friend of his from college uh, named B.J. Porter, and they start doing improv as the Fun Bunch, even though there there's only two of them. I thought you were gonna say even though they're not fun or something. I don't know. Yeah, even though they're they're, even though there's two of them and they're not fun at all. <laughs> it was all political debates and you know. Uh, but no, uh, during their second show, uh, Bob uh, Odenkirk saw them. Oh, cool. And well, if you're in case you're not familiar with Bob Odenkirk, yeah, that's me. He, he's Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad and from uh, Better Call Saul. Um, well, yeah, ba- back in those days, it was the, the mid-90s. 
Bob Odenkirk and uh, David Cross had a show on HBO called Mr. Show. And it was a, a sketch show. So uh, Odenkirk got uh, both Ackerman and uh, Porter to write for for Mr. Show during the fourth season. And Ackerman has like a funny story because he says he saw them and, 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 you know, he told them also, you know, if you ever want to pitch anything, you know, you're welcome to write, blah, 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 blah. And he says, that's all. He says, okay, so he told us that, but we never did anything about it because we thought he was going to keep on, you know, he was going to be like, oh, okay, come in this day and blah, 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 blah. And he says it took him about a year. And eventually he asked him again. He's like, uh, yeah, didn't you ask us to write on the show? And he's like, yeah, have you submitted anything? And, uh, and then that's when they started writing for the show. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so uh, started writing for the show and then um, sporadically acted in some of the skits. It, uh, he comes out in a, like one of their most uh, famous skits, which is like a parody of Boogie Nights. And Ackerman plays the character that, uh, What's his name? The the porn star? I forgot his, his name. Well, it's, it's played by Mark, <laughs> you know, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, the, the, yeah, exactly. The one that Mark Wahlberg plays. Uh, I forgot the name. Something something Diggs, on, I think. I'll look it up. I'm, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on the name. But yeah, he plays that character, and they do some sort of farce about it. Um, and... They go on to to win some some Emmys in 1999. The the whole writing stuff for the show, uh, and then eventually the show ends. But Ackerman keeps on writing. He writes a lot of pilots, a lot of uh, uh, well pilots for TV, and then uh, scripts for for films and stuff like that. He has a lot, a lot, a lot of rejected projects. And, but he does, uh, he does get other jobs like writing for, for the MTV awards. Uh, eventually he's their head writer for, for the Emmys not too long ago, like a couple of years ago, I think through maybe between two and four. And then he also is a head writer for the Oscars about two years wow. ago as well. Mm. Um, but in between Mr. Show and, and him getting to, to write for all these award shows, he and and Porter start hosting a comedy show. Uh, back in 2002, the show was named Comedy Death Ray, and it was hosted at, at a bar in Los Angeles, a local bar called M Bar, like the letter M and then bar. And um, yeah. It went on. It, it went on for three years there at Embar, and then eventually in 2005 they moved it over to the UCB, the Upright Citizens mm -hmm. Brigade Theater. Uh, that theater, I guess, the most famous of the founders of the theater is uh, Amy Poehler, and so they moved it there. It went on under the the name uh, Comedy Death Rate till 2011. And then Ackerman and Porter uh, part ways, and the show gets renamed 
into Comedy Bang Bang. And it goes on for another year. And it ends in December 2012. So the show lasted, I mean, the, the weekly show lasted 10 years. That whole run, that became sort of, it was a scene. So it was a lot of the alternative comics of the time were uh, involved with it. Uh, I mean, some, some of them came before, right? Like uh, Patton Oswalt and, and David Cross and uh, Odenkirk. Uh, but they had newer comedians like uh, Harris Whittles, uh, Chelsea Peretti, uh, Kumel Nanjiani. A lot of these names, I mean, they're, I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. some of them. Mm-hmm, yeah. But yeah, uh, Jonah Ray, Chris Hardwick, uh, a lot of that crew and uh, was uh, part of this. Paul F. Tompkins. Um, so this was like the hub. This was their mm-hmm. scene. And once uh, Comedy Death Ray and Bang Bang ended, Right after that, uh, Kumail and Jonah Ray took over with another show that was called uh, The Meltdown. And you know, it sort of kept the lineage. You know, it was new blood, new management, younger generation, but it was still all connected in some sort mm-hmm. of way. And then um, before the actual uh, stand-up show, the comedy night ended. Uh, the show had become a, a podcast. It started off actually in 09. It started as a, an hour show at a local radio station. And then they would upload that show into a podcast version. Uh, used to be aired in on Indie 103.1 for about a year. And then in 2010, Ackerman and another uh, partner, they started the Earwolf Podcast Network. And back in the back when I did the Lauren Lapkus report, I had mentioned that it's called Earwolf because they were making fun of Dick Wolf. <laughs> so they're like, "What's another body part?" And they're like, "Okay, well, Earwolf." <laughs> So yeah, they they started their own network in 2010. Started um, making the episodes for the network. That was the flagship show for for a good while, and now they have tons and tons of podcasts on anything and everything. If you go to earwolf.com, you can you'll find you know all kinds of shows right there, comedy, politics. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, most of them are comedy, but, you know, they'll, it'll be like comedy with genre, like... politics, comedy with culture, comedy with, yeah. you know. So, yeah, that was in, in 09 when the podcast version of the live show started. And then in 2012, IFC picked up uh, the show for a TV version of the podcast. So now when they did it for, for IFC, the, the episodes are about a half hour each. I think they had some specials where, where it was an hour, but most of them were, were half hour. And it's, uh, 
both the podcast and the TV show, they're an interview format. So they'll have, you know, uh, the intro and then Ackerman speaks, you know, he does his, his bit and then they'll have guests and the premise of the shows is that they have an open door policy. So, you know, whoever wants to show up can show up. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they'll have the actual, for example, they'll have, um, let's say, uh, Judd Apatow just released a movie. So he'll, he'll be there as himself, as Judd Apatow, promoting the movie, et cetera, et cetera. And then they'll have another guest who is a comedian or improviser, and they're playing a character. So they'll come in and, like, there's this guy, uh, Andy Daly. That's the actual person. But one of his characters is, uh, his name is Dalton Wilcox, uh, Poet Laureate of the West. And he's a cowboy that writes poetry and kills vampires. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, they'll go off on a massive, massive, uh, well, I don't, I wouldn't call it a tangent, but I go on well, like improvisations, yeah. you know, and that's basically the show. They just go as far as they can take it. They're usually about an hour, hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that's the premise of both the podcast and the, and the TV show, obviously the TV show, you know, being scripted and being half hour. It's a lot uh, faster, mm -hmm. but it's pretty, I would say it's a certain kind of humor, you know, I like it because it's so dry and it's so dumb sometimes, <laughs> but, but it's dumb in it. It's, it's, uh, I would say in a sort of witty geeky way you know it's not all uh bro -y uh -huh. and stuff yeah like like us you mean <laughs> oh yes exactly yeah we're the first thing that comes to my mind when i say bro when i think of bro -y. Mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> but i mean it's it, it's just as stupid just not in the same sense yeah 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 so the show, uh, like I said, started in 2012, the TV version, and it went on for five seasons, had 110 episodes total, and it ended on, on uh, December 2016. A lot of December endings for it. <laughs> it's the end of the year, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, right? <laughs> and uh, that's his... Um, like his main, um, I guess his main project, Comedy Bang Bang, overall, uh, like in all the versions it's been in. But uh, as a writer, uh, in between all the failed pilots, back in 07, um, he had written, he along with uh, BJ Porter had written uh, a skit that was part of a bigger pitch that didn't end up. It was made for a website called Super Deluxe. And the website ended up folding 
and it was bought by Adult Swim. But all this happened before they could air the episode, so they never aired anything. And then one of those kids ended up on Funny or Die. And the name of that kid is Between Two Ferns. Oh, shit. And so if you know Between Two Ferns with uh, Sagalafanakis. Yeah. Well, yeah, Ackerman is like one of the writers, one of the creators. Uh huh. Okay. And uh, yeah, so this was back in 07. And I mean, ever since then, I'm sure you've seen the Obama episode, the Brad Pitt episode. <laughs> you know, they had all all kinds of famous people mm-hmm. on there. And the premise of the, the show is that they'll ask really like. Uh, I guess awkward. It, it's an awkward interview. That's just the purpose of the thing. To have have it be an awkward interview and be as ill-prepared as possible, not knowing anything about the guest. or t- <laughs> It's kind of confrontational. I don't know if, you, if you've seen the Eric Andre show. That takes it to like, that's like uh, jackass territory. Oh, yeah. This is more reined in. This is more like uh, 80s Letterman. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Where it's, you know, it's funny and dumb and it's kind of snarky, but it's not Rats. like, you know, it's not um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Eric, yeah, that's the word I like. Looking. Eric Andre leans more on, like, not to say cringe, but a little bit more cringe, like, oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so honest. But there's other stuff that I'm like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah, so ever since 07, they've uh, been doing the Between Two Ferns uh, skits. And uh, last year, they released a movie on Netflix uh, called Between Two Ferns, the movie. And it's pretty funny, actually. It's, again, it's. You know, it's dumb. It's yeah, and, but it's a fun kind of dumb. Like, I, like, I, like I, I only got to watch the beginning of it, not because it was bad or anything, but I just that's like I think I was watching it late in FLC or something. But like, it knows exactly what it is, right? It's not trying to be anything other than you know, just dumb fun comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's it's pretty funny, but okay. Well, nonetheless, that's like his other, his other um. Big hit, I guess. Besides, excuse me. Besides, uh, comedy bang bang, and then um, he has he himself has other podcasts that that he does. I mean, again, his main one is uh, comedy bang bang, and then uh, he has another podcast that he does with uh, Lauren Lapkus and and Paul F. Tompkins. It's called Freedom, like Freedom, but since it's three of them, it's Freedom. <laughs> and then he has a uh, another one. This one changes name names depending on what band they're they're uh, talking about. So they st- it started as a YouTube podcast. So it was. Uh, you talking you two to me too <laughs> and then they moved on to rem and it was 
Uh, see, now I can't remember it, but it was something similar. You know, you're talking REM, Remy. And then now, well, uh, they they started <laughs> they started trying to talk about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then after one and a half episodes, they gave up. So they, <laughs> they were like not having fun. And they started talking about uh, talking heads instead. And now it's called You Talking, Talking Heads to My Talking Head. See, the, the, the funny thing is that they didn't yeah. even make it to the half. Because like, I, I, I started listening to it because you, rec you recommended it to me. <laughs> I was like, all right. And, and then like, I, like, I listened to it, but I was like, you know what? I can't wait till they get to the stuff I really like. Because they started from the way beginning of the Chili Pepper discography. And they got past the intro song. <laughs> and you hear Adam Scott like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. Like, let's talk about talking heads. You want to talk about talking heads? Yeah, let's do it. And then they restart the whole thing. <laughs> it was a new theme song about the talking heads. So, like, it wasn't even one and a half. It was, like, one episode and, like, like maybe half, like, of the intro. of. So, yeah, you can tell they just didn't want to talk about the chill peppers. The thing is, I didn't know because when I – I remember – Started. I started listening to you two one for a bit, and then I stopped. And then uh, Chidas, uh -huh. he's really into you uh, two. Wow, really? Huh. Well, he's more. He, I think, because of his uh -huh. brother. But okay. yeah, so he started really listening. I've to just it. never. And... I've just never known anybody that was into you two, especially, especially yeah. since that one thing where they just forced everybody to have their album. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, it was free, dude. What a, you know? You what? know what? I, I, YouTube is fine. Like they're not my go-to, but they have some good tunes. They, yeah, they're good. They're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I just, but yeah, just, it was just a, it was just a questionable move. And it's just Bono's really easy to make fun of. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Anyway. But well, yeah. But then, um, so he got really into it, and then I started getting into it because of him. And then, so I heard every episode of that one. And then when they started talking about REM, I started listening it because they took they took a, a good a good break. I don't know, probably about a year, maybe something like that, close to it. And uh, I started listening. I listened to some, and I was like, okay. And again, REM is another one of those bands that I don't know a lot about. So I was like, okay, okay. And then this time, Chida's isn't into REM, so I was I didn't have that push. <laughs> so I was sporadically listening. And then I found out they were doing it again, but with Red Hot Chili Peppers. So I was like, oh Tony really <laughs> likes them. I'm gonna tell him about it. <laughs> but I didn't I hadn't heard it yet. Or I don't think they had released it yet. They were just, you know, like uh promoting mm -hmm. it. And so I tell Tony about it. And then uh, two weeks ago when we talked, the night before I had read an interview that, or an article that said something like, you know, something like, oh, you know, uh, instead of RHCP, we're going to talk about talking heads. So I was like, okay, let me check this out. And I was reading it. And then they just start talking about how midway they're like, oh, yeah, we, were, we weren't into it. So we just changed <laughs> it to talking heads. And I was like, I gotta listen to this now, and so I started listening, and it was like you could really tell they were not enjoying it. 
well, now I gotta listen to this now, because. <laughs> I mean, they weren't like you know being assholes about it, but you know it was just like they weren't. Yeah, into yeah, it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, Talking Heads, I know probably even less that I know about REM. But now I'm listening just because I want to, you know, just because I want to be in it. <laughs> just because I thought it was funny that they changed halfway through an episode. And, uh, but okay, sorry. <laughs> Let me go back. So he has this podcast as well. Uh, and then, and I, I don't know if this one is actually like a, an ongoing series or if he just did an episode. I I think it's an ongoing series. It's called We Have to Stop. Uh, sorry, sorry. We have to stop talking TMNT on CBB, which is all. Uh, so it's all about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh huh. And I mean, I haven't listened to that one because I don't know. I just. I mean, I like I like the the turtles, but I don't know if I like them that much. <laughs> the turtles. <laughs> And uh, I, mean, I think that the turtles were definitely like, like we grew up with the tail end of it, but I think there was definitely a time of, of a group or a generation that definitely had more of the teenage mutant turtles. No, but at least that's what yeah. I feel like. Oh yeah, I mean that theme is like a jam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I listened to some other podcasts, and there's more, you know, references to them, or even like yeah. But anyway, but yeah, those are those are his main. Uh, his main uh, podcast, and uh, and then ju- just to finish up, well, yeah, as, as as a writer, he worked on Mister Show. He's worked on Moral Oral. Have you guys seen that show? I I know you have Moral Oral. Right? Yeah, Moral Oral was fun. I like that one. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, he worked on that one. Uh, obviously, between two friends. Uh, in 09 is when he was the head writer for the MTV Movie Awards. Then in 2015, he was a writer for the Emmy Awards. And then in 2016, that's when he wrote for the for the Academy Awards. He's also written some comics. Uh, he's written Deadpool back in 2012. He wrote uh, Secret Wars. Uh, he's written Spider-Man and some X-Men comic books this is all more recent than he just writes for Damn. marvel obviously well if you go by the by the characters mm-hmm. he hasn't written anything for dc but yeah that's that's uh scott ackerman for you uh <laughs> if you he has a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot of interviews on youtube and on other people's podcasts so anything you know if anything piques your interest, you know, just Google Scott Ackerman and you'll find a ton of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that was basically it. And again, I, I'm probably gonna at some point go back to this well again of uh, Comedy Bang Bang just because this was one of the first podcasts I started listening to, um, like super that I got into super 
I mean, just super into it. I think it was back in 2012, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I started listening to... What was the first one? I think the first one was either... Either... Um, you made it weird with Pete Holmes or WTF with Mark Marin. And then searching for other stuff, I found Comedy Bang Bang. And it just stuck. It just stuck. It just stuck. Now I don't listen as often as I used to. But still, you know, it, it was one of the the first ones that really stuck with me. And a lot of the people that that are part of it i ended up finding in 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 other you know in other movies or in other shows and it was like yeah i know that guy yeah i know that girl and it was like you know you start building your tastes around this kind of stuff yeah yeah and yeah that that was it cool Cool. cool. Because I've seen comedy bang bang the the show because it was on isc right and uh, yeah, like it, like it's a good show. Like, uh, but like I would just watch it. Like, like I, I know it was on Netflix for a while, and that's where I was watching it. And like I got like you know some episodes yeah. in, and like I'd stop watching it, pick it back up, or stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it, it really did have its own unique charm. Yeah, well, it's because, like I said, it's uh, and, you know, it's it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. <laughs> oh, no, I enjoyed it. It was, it was good. And, I mean, yeah, well, I don't mean it in a smug way, you know, like, oh, my God, this is so smart, you know. It's not, <laughs> I just mean that, you know, if you're not into it, then you're really not into it. Oh, sorry, sorry. Before I before I uh, give it over to Mars, I forgot. So every every time he would come on the uh, on the show, like the intro for the show on the TV show, he uh, so his actual name is Scott Ackerman. But they would it was a, a joke for the show to just change his name. So he every show he had a different name at the beginning. So he some of them were Hot Soccer Mom, Post Nacho Man. Shock Jockerman, Yacht Rockerman, <laughs> Hot Saucerman. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can. Uh, Shop Talkerman, uh, Second Season Man, Flip Flopper Man, uh, Crop Circle Man. You know, it's just a lot of dumb stuff. Khaki Dockerman, <laughs> uh, Joe Cockerman. And then one of them was not Letterman, and, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he had he had uh, he had tons and tons. Like every one hundred and ten of those episodes, he had a hundred and ten <laughs> names, one for each episode. <laughs> but yeah, that that's yeah, and I guess his most popular name was just Choctaw for some reason. <laughs> Choctaw. Choctaw. Yeah, I don't know why. I thought you said it was like Chop Top. Is that, is that... I heard Chop Top too, actually. No, no, it's uh, C-H-O-C-T-A-W. Oh. Chop Top. Oh, okay. But yeah, it, well, yeah. Like I said, <laughs> if you see it, you know, there's more context in there. Yeah. 
But yeah, that, that was it. That was it now for real. <laughs> well, no, good job, man. Cool. That's cool. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, okay, so, well, this week I I will not pull the same shit bullshit that I did last time uh, and uh, just choose a random thing <clears throat> to talk about because I just felt like it. Um, but anyway, uh, so I will be talking about uh, this lady. Um, her name is Victoria Santa Cruz. Have you all ever heard her name? I have not. I have not. Let's see. So she was a um, Afro-Peruvian um, choreographer and composer. So to start from the beginning, um, she was born uh, in October 27, 1922 in Lima, Peru. And um, she was born Victoria Eugenia Santa Cruz uh, Gamarra uh, to her and her father. His name was Nicomedes. Santa Cruz, Aparicio, and he was a poet, and her mother was Victoria Gamarra, who was a dancer. Uh, so his her her father, uh, from the time he was six, he was sent to the U.S. Um, because it was during the time where like uh, uh, Peru and Chile was having uh, a war between the two, and I, I believe uh, it, it may not have just been Peru, but uh, but yeah, they were fighting against. Uh, Chile at the time, so he was sent to to America, I believe, to New York, um, and he lived for a long time there. He actually lived there till he was thirty five, um, and during that time, he studied. You know, um, he studied uh, uh, poetry and just like literature, and uh, one of the things that he brought over from from these states was Shakespeare. She is one of ten children that they had, and um, and they actually had a lot of uh, like a lot of the a lot of the kids. Uh, obviously, like the parents, um, were very artistic. But you know, like growing up in that kind of environment, um, you know, like the kids grew up with that a lot, and um, and like uh, apart from the from her mom being like a dancer, she was also a singer, and her father did. Like I said, he was a poet, um, but he did like these uh, things called decimas. Um, I thought I had it on here, but anyway. So her, yeah. So her family grew up basically listening to a lot of opera, uh, like Wagner and Puccini. From here, like she kind of like got into like the whole. Um, she started to look more into like her, her black uh, heritage, um, and she she got introduced to a lot of the arts. Um, including some of the genres called uh, marineras and um, other like criollo dances. So r- around five or six, um, she experienced her first form of discrimination, basically, which is actually kind of like the catalyst of her uh, of her movement as she got older. But basically, what happened was that she was playing with her friends, and she was actually the the only um, the only black girl among her group of friends. And then one day this white family just showed up to, you know, the, uh, um, moved to their neighborhood. <clears throat> and so this white family moved in and they had a daughter. And so she was going to go play with them. And she was, and this little girl, she described her as like, you know, like she was blonde and like with blue hair or blonde with blue eyes. And basically she was like, you know, um, if she plays, 
referring to Victoria, then I won't play with y'all. And so basically the little, her friends were just like, all right, go. We can't play with you anymore. And so, and so I made her feel bad, obviously, yeah. but like she'd always known that she was, you know, that she was black, but she never, but, but then after that, she understood the uh, connotation of what being black was. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't cite my sources. Um, so I watched these two videos on YouTube called the, uh, one of them's called the uh, Sucedio en el Peru, which is just like a, basically like a history um, kind of thing about Peru. Um, and this other uh, documentary called Retratos, Retratos, uh, which is, which is just basically they, they just talked to her um, from 2002, and it's just like basically an interview about her. And um, I went onto this website because I couldn't find a lot of things um, on a lot of websites. Like on some websites, there's a lot of academic stuff, which is, which you know you have to like sign up for it and you have to have an account for it, but I wasn't going to do that. Um, but there was like, just like little bits and pieces that I could gather from like little interviews. Sorry, sorry. So how, how'd you come up on, on, on her? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess I should have said that. Um, well, there was, there is this uh, video uh, of this like a uh, uh, poem, but it's more like a, how to describe it? It's, it's kind of like um it's a poem with music. I know it sounds like a song, but it's really a poem with like um Afrobeats like in the back. Okay. And um it's from like I believe it's from the seventies. They're interviewing her a little bit and she does this po- she does this poem and um the poem is called Megritaro Negra and basically she's talking about that incident in her childhood that she that I was telling you about. And it's like one of her most most famous uh one of her most famous poems, and I, I I remember seeing it a while back, uh but I didn't know anything about her. Um, I was on TikTok and this out of all places, and there was this girl that like was just like doing um, basically talking about like little history lessons of like Latina women, um, that, you know from all these times and then so she mentioned her and then i remembered that poem and i was like oh well you know that's that'd be a great thing to you know talk about basically okay but i had seen i had seen this poem before like it's on youtube and everything but i had seen it probably like maybe like two years ago and it's really powerful really Mm. so so basically like like i said this um this incident was uh, was what what would lead her to a self discovery and uh, recuperation of the culture based on internal rhythm and what she calls um, ancestral memory, and um, obviously I got that from Wikipedia, which I didn't mention. And it also, you know, like she's she's about uh, she was also about awakening like uh, black consciousness and pride uh, in the Afro Peruvian culture. Which I don't think it was necessarily forgotten. It was just that it wasn't really taught or really preserved as, you know, the centuries after, you know, um, the abolishment of slavery and all that happened. And she also has a, uh, a another well-known brother. Um, his name is Nicomedes, just like his father. 
Um, and he was also a poet. So him and her started this company and co-managed it uh, called Kuka, Kumana, sorry, Kumanana from 1958 to 1961. And uh, it was a company of the revival of afro folklore. Around 1959, um, their mother dies. And like for a while, it really affected them. Um, so in 1960, there's a theater um, in their town called El Teatro de la Cabaña. And oh, by the way, and <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I read and that I watched was in Spanish. So I, I had a hard time even like translate how to translate these things. So I'm going to say a lot of them in Spanish. But yeah, so uh, El Teatro de la Cabaña, which would translate to the theater of the cabin. Cabin, yeah. yeah. And, and during this year, they debu- they debuted three plays. Um, one of them was called um, Cajón de un Solo Caño. And then um, the other two, I believe, were more like uh, dance, like like half dance and kind of half plays. The other one was called Sananjari, and uh, the third one was called Academia Folklorica. And um, for the last two, uh, Victoria was the one that choreographed and composed, and designed and directed. In 1961, one of their most um, well-known works was debuted. It was called Malato, um, which was also kind of like a dance, dance-infused kind of like play and stuff like that. Um, so they and that was like a lot of what they did. It was um, it it had to do obviously with some poetry, but a lot of it had to do with dance because one thing that she says, which I thought was cool, um, in that interview where she talks to, where she recited that poem, she says that even though that you know even though that like Africans were enslaved and brought over. Um, and um, their, you know, their descendants were enslaved and everything. Um, the one thing that they could never enslave was their inner rhythm, and and I and I thought it was cool because I mean it it totally makes sense, especially like you know, especially since we know what we know about blues, mm-hmm. and yeah, and so like it just I don't know I just thought it was very interesting and and very powerful that she you know that she would put it that way. But yeah, so a lot of their, so like I said, a lot of their works were around that kind of concept, uh, just you know, just like the preservation of it and everything. After so like after 1961, um, the uh, the the company disbanded, and so she, you know, she did her own thing. Her brother did his own thing. In that same year, in 1961, she was offered a scholarship um, by the French government. Uh, to go attend uh, one of their universities. Um, and the university is called, uh, it's in French, so <laughs> it's called the Université du Théâtre de Nation École Supérieure d'Études Choréographiques. So it's a. It's a long yeah. last name. So it's, uh, so basically, trans- I kind of translated to uh, University of Theater of the. National School of Superior Studies and Choreography, I believe. Something like that. Damn. Um, and surprisingly, um, she went there at the age of 42, which... Oh, whoa. Well, and, 
and which was funny because like it actually like made me realize something that you know like it's kind of like the thing that we were talking about how like you know like if you really have the the uh the drive to do something you'll do it and and it doesn't matter when you do it yeah so yeah so basically like what happened is that somebody saw her uh her company and they were like get in contact with me um and you know we'll we'll send you over there basically and so that's what happened um which is funny because it was it was the first time but it wasn't the only time that that happened but um so yeah so she studied um she studied theater and choreography with um i'm not very familiar with a lot of these but i'm i'm sure they're renowned you know people um with the actor jean louis um jean louis uh Barral and I believe um, and playwright uh, Eugene Ionesco, which I actually kind of know uh, of and choreographer Maurice Beja. And, and so she was there from 19, uh, 1961 to 1965. And it was interesting too, because just like she was learning there, they were actually learning as well from her just about like, Afro-Peruvian culture, but I guess just like Afro-Latin um, cultures in general. Um, so it was kind of like a, you know, like a cultural exchange in a way. So she continued to, you know, like demonstrate uh, like um, interests and all that in the loss of the cultural and ancestral memory. And so what she did is that she, during that time, she also went to Africa um, for the first time. And she created a ballet called La Muñeca Negra, or The Black Doll, in 1965. After her studies, she went back to to Lima in 1966. And then she founded a group called Teatro y Danza del, del Peru, uh, which was like uh, a dominant like Afro-Peruvian company. And then this is kind of uh, the uh, copy and pasted part. <laughs> Uh, which focused on the recovery, recreation, and re- recreation of dying rhythms such as the Samacuenca, the Landau, and the Alcatraz. Through this, uh, through this company, um, they gained a lot of popularity through television, but also worldwide. Um, so much so that um, in 1968, they were asked to perform at the uh, Summer Olympics in Mexico City. And and so like during those during those games we had that that um, very iconic protest um, from the from two black athletes where they um, you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah when they raised the, the black power mm-hmm. fist mm-hmm. yeah I I forgot their their names uh, were they runners they were yeah they were runners, runners. Right? yeah they were both first and second place mm-hmm. and, and and um they actually did an episode on do go on on that. Because, um, like, they're, uh, like I said, they were first and second place. Um, and yeah. um, the third place runner was uh, an Australian man. And so, like, they had already planned that they were going to do all that and, and everything. But apparently one of them forgot his pair of gloves. So um, what they did is that they just, they just like, one took one and the other one took the other. But the runner from Australia also wanted to be part of the protest as well. And um, okay. and they they had pins, and so he wore a pin during that ceremony. Oh. 
Yeah, and and obviously they got in a lot of trouble for that. They got a lot of backlash, and yeah, but it was during those summer games. Was this while um, Ali was he still going through through the same thing? I, you know, when he refused to to uh, sixty eight. You know, so I think maybe. I think so. I yeah, think yeah. you're right. I think I think it had. I think it was around. I mean, I, I I wonder if they. I mean, they must have talked about this, you know. Um, probably. I'm, I mean, because because I mean that whole guaranteed. those whole games like, a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of the black athletes, were gonna try to boycott, just like the Olympics. You know what I mean? Mm. And not participate. Yeah. And um, and obviously America did not want that. But yeah, uh, yeah. So like I said, it was it. it, it it was during that time, so and, and they did really well, like just just uh, just like participating and stuff like that, um, and they even got a medal for for their participation. Because of that, uh, she actually earned a position amongst the revolutionary government of the Peruvian military. For some reason, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how that even correlated, but basically, she got a position there because of what okay. happened at the Olympics. Um, something like something and like in an artistic i mean uh, i mean it doesn't sense. it didn't specify it just had to do with the peruvian military okay. so I don't, yeah so i'm not sure so after that like uh they toured the the u.s and after that she became the director of a new company called the conjunto nacional de folklore or the uh, i'm not really sure how to translate conjunto but basically it's just like National group of folklore, uh, yeah, I yeah. Guess. At the Instituto Nacional de Cultura in 1973, and so they through there they also toured again, and they uh, they toured and showed you know a lot of the dances throughout North America and uh, Europe. Critics called the company, and this is a translated quote by me because there wasn't anything in English, but so yeah, but critics basically called it. Um, the most interesting group of folklore that had been seen in a long time. Wow. Well, and, and in 1971, she won an award for best folklorist in the first uh, uh, Festival Seminario Latinoamericano de Televisión, um, which I'm not going to try to translate that, um, organized by the, the Catholic University of Chile. Uh, and in 1978 was when uh, the poem that I was telling you about was, I guess it's when she wrote it. Okay, so in the 80s, she once again was approached and basically offered a teaching opportunity at Carnegie Mellon. And, and of course, she took it as a first as an adjunct professor and then as an assistant professor. And then finally, I believe she was full time, but I could be wrong. Um, so she was there from 1988 to 1999. Oh, it's a long chunk of yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> Like there wasn't a lot of information about her personally, which I guess is you know fine, but um, but there are some like videos of like you know like little documentaries about her. Um, in fact, both of the videos that I was that I mentioned that I got the information from, I mean, she was still alive during that time. But there, there, I saw this other video of her um, giving a. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically like uh, to the graduates. Okay, like a like a what what are those speeches called? Commencement addresses. Yes. Yeah. There. We yeah. Go. I. Yeah. I believe. 
excuse me, I believe hers was an, a, a commencement, whatever. Yeah, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm blank. <laughs> yeah, so she was there till 99. And after that, I think, I, I, I'm i guessing she retired because there wasn't, like I said, there wasn't a lot of information after that. Um, or there wasn't any information, that, at least that I saw. Um, she retired and went back to Lima. And finally, at, on August 30, 2014, um, she died in Lima. Damn. How close was she to the 100? Well, she's 22, uh, 1922. So, oh, yeah. She was 94 90, 92. Oh, 92. Yeah, 92. Damn. Yeah, so she, yeah, so she lived a long time. And the other thing that I didn't mention, too, is that, um, well, obviously her dad was in America, so he learned English, obviously. So when they, so when he went back and got married, I believe all of them grew up to, you know, know English and Spanish. Wow. And... And yeah, and, 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 and it's interesting to see because like you don't see a lot of uh I may be wrong, but you don't see a lot of that kind of migration, especially like during that time, um, of like anyone that would be black to other countries like that and like have such a you know, like such a big I don't know, big position like within the community and just like yeah, I, I I understand. Yeah, and so I mean, I I I I thought it was so interesting that. And also, I guess the fact that also he went back, I don't know which which, which was a good thing because obviously, like, you know, like their kids wouldn't be, you know, they wouldn't exist, obviously, and so like we wouldn't have like these uh these iconic people, you know, like family basically there's uh like a probably well since you were speaking like about chile and then like this topic we're speaking about so like there's this uh rapper in chile uh named anna tiju oh, yeah. and i mean obviously as you can tell by her last name she has some french and 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 it's like a similar situation because I think her dad was like a writer too. And I think her mom was involved in the art somehow too. She might have been a dancer too. But yeah, you know, like, you know, she was like uh, born in Chile, but raised in France some some for some time and then went back to mm -hmm. Chile. Uh, back when I did the Tony Allen story, like Fela... This, this must have been around similar times. I'm getting, well, maybe a little bit later. Like in the mid-60s, uh, Fela moved to London to study music. Oh, so, yeah. And then went back to, went back to uh, Nigeria. And then went to the U.S. and then came back to Nigeria. But uh, I think it was uh, as... Prevalent, just maybe not as I don't. I guess as discussed, not as discussed, or not as promoted. You know what I mean? It's like okay, we'll just try and get the people we actually want to. Yeah, get. no, you're you're yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, you know, 
they got all the 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 Jewish uh, scientists and all the German scientists and shiz. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, I, I guess they they don't talk more about. I don't know, like all the influx of Indian people that went on to to you know study medicine or like engineering and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, 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 and and, and it's like you said, it's kind of like you know like. Not necessarily undesirable, but I mean, it's not. They're not the like, the the primary. Uh... Yeah, like you're not catering. To yeah, them. yeah. Well, and and I think it says a lot about just like just like I said about this family and just like her, how like she would even, you know, be offered basically on the spot to be like, hey, go. You can come study over here. Yeah. Basically for free, I can, I'm I'm assuming it goes for free since she got a scholarship for it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I wonder about that as well. You know, like, was there something like what was the impetus behind them being like, yeah, come sit over here? Because I was thinking this too. It's like I feel like I feel like in Latin America, there's more of a. I mean, there's obviously still discrimination. Like, I'm not gonna say there isn't because there is. Um. Because, you know, you also have, you know, you have racism, you have colorism, stuff like that. But I feel like in Latin American countries, there's a there's a bigger acknowledgement of the past and how it wasn't necessarily fair for everyone, obviously. I, I don't know. I, I It just feels to me that way because just like in Mexico, like, like I said, once again, I'm not going to say that there isn't any discrimination but you know like like in mexico like yes spanish is like the the kind of the official language but there's also other languages other native languages that are also like that are recognized mm -hmm. and that happens and yeah. in, in, and that's hap that happens in a few in a few other countries like peru for example like there's three official languages or three official recognized languages and then some i believe but where whereas in america it's like there is no official language but sorry i went off on a tangent there i, I don't know if it was relevant but um so yeah so um i just want to end it with like this uh, this interview that from like 2011 she was asked basically like what was racism what what has racism taught you in a little while <laughs> i will leave my life and i want to leave in peace with my conscience clean and we'll see what happens here but everything is weakened dislocated in the entire world and everyone is losing because really this is not how you fight I i'm guessing what she's trying to say is that like you know it's not over like it's we'll still continue to fight racism for you know who knows how long and you know we still live in a broken system and in a broken world and the other thing too is that like she would say how like um the way that she learned to basically accept herself is that she had to go through the hate first in order to be able to finally accept her her blackness basically yeah so that was my report nice i honestly hadn't hadn't yeah, I, I, I. I mean it's not like i'm 
super literate, but yes, I had never heard of her. I didn't really know her, so I figured this would be a good time to get to know her. It reminded me, well, I know, well, obviously, because it's the only thing I can use as a point of reference, but there's a, a lady in Mexico that had a similar story as far as uh, as far as the dance uh, troupe, excuse me, she started the the ballet folklorico in uh, Mexico. Amalia Hernandez was her. But yeah, it, it, well, it reminded me of her because of, just because, you know, they started their own companies and and toured around and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just the fact that she like even like started these companies just well, because when, when she got back, when she got back from France, I think she had like an interview somewhere and was uh, basically at one point she kind of like promoted herself i guess um and she was like you know like if you want to if you want to come study the this you know go ahead and, and and a lot of it had to do with you know like basically anyone that was black that was that was afro-peruvian like needs to come and like learn and stuff and, and learn these things and mm-hmm. um and who knows i don't i don't even know if we'll i if any uh, anything that she at least started is really going on as in like those companies but the thing is is that she brought it to the foreground and started to you know show it off and and so a lot of a lot of the cultural stuff cultural stuff that um peru has now um could be attributed to her yeah yeah like uh makes me think of you know when they were do- going through the nationalistic thing and you know like with Stravinsky and you know, all the Russian guys before him yeah and uh, I wonder if it's a sort of uh, like a similar wave but over on this side mm. you know because it's like uh, I mean you have like your that, that sort of same feeling with the Revuelta stuff. And then you have uh, these people in Argentina, like Ginastera uh, and stuff, that are doing stuff with the music of their, you know, like their countries. Mm-hmm. Or uh, uh, Villa Lobos in Brazil. I wonder if it's like a similar movement for for all the arts. You know, where it's like, okay, let's focus on what we have instead of trying to yeah, import like a cultural renaissance. Yeah, I think so. I think I think. See, I was thinking when you said that 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 her dad went back after studying here. I had a so when when all the DACA stuff was happening, like when back in well, when when Trump first got elected, you know, sixteen, seventeen. And there was like he was threatening to send back all the the DACA people. You know, part of me was like, part of me was curious to see what would happen if you know all these people with degrees and and you know some some uh, like higher level education 
uh, you know, like went back, you yeah. know, and then after a while, obviously, you know, it hits you that, that you're like, well, shit, you know, it's like, they don't know the country, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They just, they've been born and raised here. Some of them, uh, some of them had spent more of their life here than they did over there. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's not like, oh, it'll be, you know, just uh, an easy transition. But, but there was that idea, like that curiosity of like, I wonder what would happen, you know, like if you send someone to study here, but then you go back and try to <laughs> try to fix some of the stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't... I don't think a lot of that would happen mainly because I don't know. Cause, cause I mean, cause I don't know the demographic or like the, what's it called? The, I guess the demographics for that, but um, I would assume that it wouldn't necessarily happen only because I mean, those people, some of those people already have jobs and I think the contribution toward to the economy would kind of stop that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, you know, I was just thinking, you know, uh -huh. what if it did happen? You know, what if, uh, like, you know, it'd be insanity. I don't know, honestly. Not sure if like a big. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm trying to like because it, it does sound familiar if something like that happened, like a like a mass migration of of. I mean, like a, a cultural exchange again happening. You know, not that that it doesn't happen now, but you know, being directly in in that space, I guess, if you will. Sorry, I don't know. It's just a thought, you know. Just a thought, you know. Just a... yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, sorry, it took a hard turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's bring it. Yeah, let's I, let's uh, make it positive. I uh, as far as plugs this week, I really haven't seen much or heard much, but. Yesterday, I watched a film, a documentary, not a film. Yeah, I guess it's a film. It's called uh, the, the Resurrection of Jake the Snake, which who, was, who is, I mean, he's still alive. Yeah, he's a, he was a wrestler. He's still alive, but, you know, he's not uh -huh. wrestling anymore. And that was like, it was a very cool story, you know, it's a really, it's a recovery thing. Oh, so you. So you guys know that movie, The Wrestler? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of based on him, on Jake the Snake. Oh. Damn. But, uh, yeah, th this is like, uh, the, I think the documentary's from 2013, I think. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, it ends on a really positive note. Huh. But yeah, that's my only recommendation for for today because I haven't really been watching. I've been trying to watch all these uh, superhero shows like uh, Umbrella Academy and uh, Doom Patrol and mm -hmm. shows like that. But I just, like, I don't know. Like, I don't have the, I don't know. Like, I'm like, I kind of do, but I kind of don't, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm like, ah, so I end up, <laughs> I end up not watching. Oh yeah, yeah. 
I haven't. I have, well, I haven't listened to this one yet. Um, but it's a it's a podcast called Presidential, and basically it's just about every single president. That well, president of the United States, and I figure, you know. You know, like first of all, a lot of people don't know about the presidents, and like, you, you know what I mean. So I figure that I would like yeah. to learn about the presidents. Of course. Not because I care about them or anything, but well, that was unnecessary. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's good to know, right? Yeah, I think it'd be good to know. But anyway, I guess that's mine. Tony, uh, no, we don't got nothing. I'm trying to think of any plugs that I have. Just flipping through stuff. I know. I'm just like, <laughs> like fuck. I was. <laughs> I had something for this. <laughs> um, you know what? I I do not have anything this week. I I, I know. Nah, I'll, I'll get something to. Uh, bring us a review from uh, your stay in Reynosa next. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. For sure. I will. Oh, three stars. <laughs> We're not staying. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, How long are you gonna be there? Ah, uh, just a weekend, man. And I leave Friday, come back Sunday. You know, just a couple of days. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Tony. Tony, quick before we go. All right. A song with sugar on it that isn't. Uh, well, I'll tell you which ones we've okay. gone through. We went through uh, that that mid two thousand song, "Sugar, Sugar, How You Get to Fly." Okay. We went through that Sugar Ray song, uh, You're My Butterfly, Sugar. Huh, blah, blah, blah. We went through System of a Down Sugar. We went through Sugar, We're Going Down. Went through Pour Some Sugar on Me. And we went through Brown Sugar. Okay. Okay. Do, 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 okay, so. okay. First off, because my mind was on this, uh, Sugar, You're My Butterfly, that's Crazy Town, not Sugar Ray. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, you're yeah. welcome. That's <laughs> playing. What, what, what were the songs again? Because I think the ones that came up to me were the ones you said. <laughs> uh, brown sugar, pour some, pour some uh-huh. sugar on me. Sugar, we're going uh-huh. down. And then just uh, sugar by Systems Were Down. Okay. And I think that was it. Yeah, I think so. Hold on, some. But do you have do you have another song with sugar? Either on the title or like somewhere in there. Uh, yeah, sure. Oh, there's also that Maroon Five song that that I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a lot of people that don't know that one Maroon Five song. Oh, I have another one. Um, Watermelon Sugar. Which one's it's, that one? it's a new song. Oh. Oh shit! See, I don't know. See, I was like, what? what? Let me what? see. Sugar song. I feel like I should know this. Yeah, it it just came out, so yeah. How about anytime Celia Cruz shouted Azúcar? Oh, oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, and there actually is a song called Azúcar, but it's by someone, uh, by Eddie Palmieri. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, holy shit, that's right. Well, I mean, I'm not sure if that counts, but hold on, Sugar. Let me see if, like... I mean, dude, it's a sugar. <laughs> it, I feel like that's a cop-out, though, because that, that was just what? like... Listen, listen, Carlos was the one that made the rule, so... <laughs> Fine, fine. So, <laughs> I would, I, I would just, I was just wondering, you know, just at a, because I was telling Mars about it before, before uh, you walked uh, uh-huh. in, and I was like, oh well, I guess it'll be like sort of a, a bookend, you know. I started with that 
and I guess I'll land with it. <laughs> doesn't uh, Gutierrez always do stuff like that on his on his that he posts about that? Like he has like a song. That... Oh yeah, like he'll have random songs. Yeah, like songs about places to yeah. eat or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm, I'm having a, a moment. moment. You know, I, I I wonder if anyone would ever come up with a uh, Chico Taco song. Not that you know. Not Chico Taco song. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Let's just, let's just put it out there and see who. <laughs> no, don't put it out there. It's out there. Oh, I forgot where I saw like. Well, you know, the owner, the owner is a, a musician, like a fusion guitarist. Oh, really? Huh? Yeah, I for, I forget his name, but yeah. His name's Chico, and his last name's Taco. Mister Tacos, Mister Tacos, what's your opinion on the fusion oh, from the seventies? <laughs> well, weather report, actually, no, it's funny. Oh my gosh. Chico and Taco. Chico Taco. Yeah. And that that and that is all Paso humor for you, I guess. Wrap it up. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. Oh, there we go, dude. That was a pun. Wrap it up. <laughs> there we go. See now, now I'm oh. trying to think of another song that has sugar in it. That's see what see what I mean? My first my first was like, okay, brown sugar or pour some sugar on me. Yeah, exactly. Because those are yeah, those ones. are the go-to sugar songs. The sugar industry really profited from them. Dude, I'm I'm sure there's like some soul uh, stacks or like some Memphis like or Motown, some right? Motown song with sugar on it that we're completely exactly because that's that's exactly what it is. We're forgetting. Uh, let me see. Let me actually look this up now that we're. Now that, that now that I'm here, see, and then like my mind for some reason goes to like Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray, Leonard. just well, yeah, just because sugar. Um, at least this sounds with sugar in the title, "Sugar and Honey" by Roy Orbison, "Sugar Ton" by the Indigo Girls, oh, "Lips Like Sugar" by Echo and the Bunnymen. <laughs> so you mean to tell you need to tell me that you did the thing that we could have done this whole time? I mean, it's at the end of it. It's at the end of it. <laughs> Did the, the, the sugar cubes ever have a song with sugar in the <clears throat> sugar cubes? Yeah. Oh. Old Actually, I don't know. Well, there, there's a, there's a song that I that I had heard before, but I didn't know like what the band was or if it was even a real song. It's called Sugar High. I don't. I don't Speaking think. of which, to come back to Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. What a fucking perfect. All oh, right, yeah, and with that, that <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, that follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, please comment and rate and subscribe on <laughs> on all the platforms and shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was good. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again for listening, y'all. It was fun. So long. Farewell. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Heh <laughs> heh.